Well, good morning. We're uh, we're going to sort of tread some old ground. I want you to turn to the book of Luke in chapter two. I know what you're going to say, Dennis. Where have you been? We're way past chapter two. Well, I'm taking a different tact. That's not the most dangerous thing about this. If you're watching Pastor Phillips' schedule. Tonight, he's going to finish chapter one. Guess where he's going to be next week if he continues to preach Christmas message at chapter two. I'm sure what he says next week will supersede anything I do today, but (laughs) we're going to give it a shot. Uh, I've called this uh, joy to the world, joy to you and me. (laughs) I got that from reading a sermon by Pastor Boyce, the mentor to our pastor, who preached on the topic of joy. So this is topical, but it is within the exposition here of chapter two. Uh, We're going to look at a topic that should interest all of us. I want to read for you from the chapter, beginning in verse eight through verse 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Chapter two of Luke is a great chapter. It contains the record of the first 30 years of Jesus' life. I know it's condensed somewhat, but it's the only such record we have in all the gospels about him. The central focus of the chapter, and probably for the whole book of Luke, you can find in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior, who is Christ the Lord. But uh, that is not going to be my primary focus. It's going to be the preamble to that in verse 10. We have some in chapter one, prenatal facts about this child, Jesus, that are interesting. Uh, They are important and they are unusual. Off the top of your head, do you know any of them? I said prenatal facts. That's a clue there. Yes, this child is going to be born of a virgin. Say what? (laughs) Yeah, that's one of the unusual facts. His conception is by the Holy Spirit. The man, Joseph, is not involved at this point. And he's going to be overshadowed by the Most High. Those are some of the interesting things about him. This person, Jesus Christ, of course, this God-man is entering into human nature and human history by the act of God, which can't be called anything but supernatural. These prenatal facts we have in chapter one. He's not merely a teacher. He's not just the good example of a man He is more than that. He is the one who is born the savior of the world. 
through Mary. Chapter 2 looks some more at this life in about three different uh, viewpoints, if you will. The one we're looking at is verses 8 to 14. In 1 through 7, the facts that are listed there for us show this idea of Jesus in relation to Rome. You have there what the background of this is. He's going somewhere, uh, Joseph and his wife are going somewhere because Rome says they have to return to their home and pay their taxes and some other facts there. You jump ahead to verse 15 and travel on through the rest of, uh, uh, down to about uh, verse 34, 35, we have what's going on in Jerusalem and the temple with regard to this baby, Jesus. But for us, in verses uh, 8 through 14, we're looking at this picture from the viewpoint of heaven, if you will, this birth of Jesus Christ, this son of God, this woman who is great with child, Mary, is about to deliver. Her time is at hand and they've got to get here and find a place to settle in while she delivers her firstborn, wraps him in these humble claws and lays him in a manger. This woman, I suppose you could say, was a temple for the Son of God while she was carrying this child in her pregnancy. She was going to bore, uh, bear, <laughs> let me get the right tense, this child who is to be the savior of the world. Can you imagine if you knew that, ladies, what precautions you'd be taking in your pregnancy? And it's the first child. I remember ours. Uh, I can't, I can only do this vicariously. I never delivered a child. But it's interesting to watch. My wife, who is so laid back, uh, I don't know how long you've lived in Greenville. There used to be a store called Alexander's over on Pleasantburg Drive. We were so sure we had everything in line that when the time came for our first child to be born, we took off for the hospital. But we stopped at Alexander's because we didn't have a camera. So <laughs> you talk about, we get to the hospital and the uh, nurse there, where have you been? Alexander's. <laughs> we got here. You know, I don't think that's the way you should choreograph your pregnancy, ladies. I think we were, might have been out of step. I cannot imagine Mary being laissez-faire about this at all. This was to be the son of God. Look how he comes into this humble abode, but we don't need, and I mean this reverently, we don't need to feel sorry for this child. He had what he needed, the bedding, the mother, the safety that came with this kind of thing. Uh, but now we're going to look at heaven's viewpoint about this. I said verse 10 is the preamble to the great verse 11. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. That's where I want to focus. I decided to talk about this because, like I said, I read a sermon by uh, the pastor, Mr. Boyce, some years ago, and I thought, I need to go back and reread that. Let me ask you, though, as we think about this, give me a definition of joy. 
What is joy? How can you how can you feel it? Do you know what it is that you're feeling if if you say I'm so full of joy? Pardon? Everything's good with the world. Exceeding happiness. Exceeding happiness? Okay. In spite of circumstances, however. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let me give you a definition from the Oxford English Dictionary, which is not necessarily a theological dictionary, but it's a definition. A vivid emotion of pleasure arising from a sure sense of well-being or satisfaction, the feeling or state of being highly pleased or delighted. Is that the emotion that we experience at this season or at any time in your Christian life? Uh, C.S. Lewis, that wonderful author, I (laughs) greatly admire, love his works. He was married late in life to a woman named Joy Davidman, but that does not come into play when he wrote his autobiography. Guess what the title of it was? Surprised by Joy. Joy. He was not referring to his wife. (laughs) He was referring to this experience. He never knew anything like it until he found it in Jesus Christ. That's what this experience was. Just before we read this great chat and verse in verse 11, we read here about this joy. An angel of the Lord came, quite possibly Gabriel. It doesn't say that there. The glory of the Lord shone round about. And what was the reaction? They were filled with fear. Every time an angel appears in scripture, that's almost every time you have this reaction, a fearful reception. What is going on? Boom. And I suppose we would be too if an angel appeared to us. This supernatural messenger has come to deliver the greatest news that have ever been, has ever been proclaimed to a humble people. He comes and the glory of the Lord shone round about. This significant event. Can you think of any other times this kind of thing happened where the glory of the Lord was so evident in Scripture? Beg your pardon? During the storm in the Sea of Galilee. Well, perhaps. Transfiguration. Absolutely, the transfiguration. That's the other one I really thought about, the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. It was so glorious that Moses came down and it was a color, a radiance that nobody had ever seen before. He had been in the presence of God. That's what we're talking about here. And no doubt this would cause fear. This is what happens when the holy God comes into the presence of sinners like us. You can say you're going to do so-and-so before God. I, on the last day, I, people take judgment so casually. You think you're going to stand up there and give reasons for your sins and your Ill, Ill living at times. You won't be able to open your mouth before him. You'll be proclaimed guilty. But in this case, in their humility, in their fear, the angel says, fear not. Here on the basis of this angel's proclamation, 
good news has come. Why is there so much joy? I think Pastor alluded to this in his sermon this morning. For 400 years, there hadn't been a word of a prophet. And as far as we know, there's no indication in scripture that an angel had been present in this manifestation for 400 years either. But beyond that, think of how long humanity has waited for this news to come. Think of that. The ancient promise from Genesis 3.15 is about to be fulfilled. And the angel comes with that news. Isaiah 61.1 says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. That's what's going on here. This kind of thing, this good news. In the same book we're in, in Luke in chapter four, let me read this, the angel speaking here in uh, some measure of reassurance. Verses 18 and 19, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set all at, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what's going on here. This is the presentation of that. Fear not, the angel says. What is taking place here is the beginning of the fulfillment of what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What great news that is. How did you feel when you became a Christian? <laughs> what was, the, was there a change in you from one thing to another, from contemplation of the wayfulness of your life to one of full joy. This is for all the people there. Now I'll get into that in just a second. The angel came to the shepherds in the first place. And this is part of that demonstration is for all the people. Where are the shepherds on the economic scale, on the social scale, not very highly placed? They're on the lower end of it. The Greek phrase generally refers to the whole people of Israel. And you can see that back in chapter one here. But also you remember when you get to Romans, you read how this gospel was giving, given not only to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. It was to be demonstrated even in the ministry of Christ that it was for all people. What great news this is. You know, you can bring anybody into this sanctuary and worship to hear the gospel. It doesn't matter where they are in life. It doesn't matter what qualities they have or do not have. And this ought to be characteristic for us that we receive this with great joy. It's interesting, the play of verse 10, verses 11. What happens when your child does really well on an exam? Come home, mom, dad, I got an A. Relieved, yes. Happy, celebrating, right? <laughs> Absolutely. What's going on here though? That's not the way this is set up. It starts with be filled with joy. Why? 
we reverse things because this is about to take place. This hasn't taken place yet, but I'm telling you, you need to be filled with joy now because it will with the surety take place. The message of great joy here in verse 11, you can see it is personal and is to us. What is this great news? It is about a savior who was born in the city of David, fulfilling the promises of God throughout all the Old Testament that he will be of that throne. He is a savior, a deliverer. He is Christ, the Lord, the Messiah built into that name. The one that they were promised would come anointed here. He is the sovereign one, the Lord. All of this is disclosed in this singular birth announcement that was unlike any other given. You can read all of those birth announcements throughout all of history. None was delivered like this. This is Jesus Christ, who is from the line of David, who is Savior, Messiah, Lord. Listen, be filled with joy. Let me ask you how often you think of joy in this season. What are some of the hymns you sing, we sing this time of year? Joy to the world. Oh, come all ye faithful. What's the next line? Joyful and triumphant. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. And of course, best of all, joy to the world. The Lord is come. That's the news that's being proclaimed here. Joy throughout the Christmas story, all over the place. Uh, Again, thanks to my reading the sermon by voice, we've come up with some of these things. Think of the joy that the angels must have had. I bring you good news of great joy. You know, he might have said, we've been waiting here for years and years to come deliver this news to you. And I cannot believe that he would have mumbled a word or a syllable. <laughs> it would have been exuberant. I've come, fear not, I've come to bring you great, great news. There ought to be great joy. What does it say later in scripture? I think it's in the gospel of John about the conversion of one sinner. Great joy, the angels rejoice. Think now how that is multiplied exponentially because this is the savior of hundreds, if not millions of people. And they rejoiced over one sinner's conversion. Think about this. The angels have got to be filled with joy. They had waited since the fall for this moment when Christ would enter into humanity and come to save sinners. This was the hour. Well, think of the shepherds. If the angels rejoiced with a heavenly joy, I think the shepherds would have demonstrated a great deal of earthly joy. These are these folks out in the field tending sheep and an angel comes and appears to them. Wouldn't it fill you with joy? A heavenly joy that was shared with you? Uh, you know, some people could miss this kind of thing. You're out busy about what you're doing and you, you don't 
catch hold of the truth of the word of God when it comes to you. Uh, what should we do about that? They could have missed it, but they didn't. What a blessing that is. Uh, maybe they could have been better instructed about what was going on here beforehand. I don't know. I don't know what their depth of knowledge was. It is a mistake people make today, though. They always challenge you about what you're saying to them about Christianity as if they really want to know more, which isn't the case at all. These men, however, did not make that mistake. They received this message with great joy. How do I know that? What does it say? What was their reaction right after this? When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. And they went with haste. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that, the, that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. They were filled with joy, telling everybody they could come in contact with about this news of deliverance here that the Savior had come. <clears throat> and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Filled with joy about this, ready to go share. Uh, how close to that are we? Are we ready to share the good news of the gospel with those around us? Full of joy here ready to go. Perhaps uh, Mary had the greatest joy of all. I don't know. I don't know how to measure this. <laughs> Certainly she was filled with joy, wasn't she? This great joy. Like I said, I, I can only experience this vicariously, what it is to deliver your first child. It's got to be full of joy, right, ladies? <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful, we have a son, we have a daughter. Think of the pleasure of that, going to be a mother. A joy that uh, for some of us is repeated a number of times, <laughs> in our case four, but each time it didn't diminish, it still was there, increased. She had the joy that a mother has multiplied to infinity <laughs> because this, was the son of God that she was bringing into the world. What a humbling experience. John 16, talking about childbirth, says this, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because the hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. And not just any baby, any human being. This is the God-man. What joy must have filled her heart? Pastor again referred to her writing the Magnificat. Give some evidence of the joy that was part of Mary's life. Multiply this over and over and over. No wonder, verse 19 says, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. She kept these and it seems to indicate she went over it repeatedly. What a blessing. 
this is one of the things we miss out on when we don't count our blessings. Uh, Thanksgiving is not the only time we ought to do that. <laughs> we ought to be filled with this joy at the grace of God in our lives many days over and over and over. Think of how God has not left us to ourselves in our sins. When we upset the apple cart in Eden, he came in the flesh to take care of this thing that he'd promised for hundreds of years. What about Joseph? We don't have a lot of clear verses about his reaction, but don't you think he was filled with joy? Okay, you know, I'm not the physical father of this child, but God has entrusted to me to rear this young man in the truth of the word of God. And he's done that to every one of us as parents, you know that? It's not the son of God we're raising or the daughter of God, but he has entrusted to us the care of an immortal soul. I think he had an awesome joy, speculation of course, but he didn't run away from his responsibility. Uh, I think I'll read just quickly from Matthew chapter one, a little bit about what was going on with Joseph. In chapter one and verse, beginning in verse 18, let me read to you here. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she was, had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. I believe he had to be filled with joy. Look, he jumped to it when he came out of his dream, out of his relationship with this angel. He went and did this faithfully. He believed the word of God. He kept Mary as his wife. He brought up this child that was not his physically. He had to be full of joy. He did all of these things in obedience to the word of God. Well, who else was there? We have the shepherds, we have Joseph, we have Mary. Anybody else? How about the wise men? You think they were full of joy? Well, if they weren't, we have evidence that there was something there. Think of the extravagant, extravagant gifts they brought to this newborn child. What did they bring? Gold, frankincense, myrrh. They went about looking for this child and I can't imagine anybody knew what they were talking about. Herod didn't know, but he was concerned. What do you mean there's a star that's leading you to this one? What are you talking about? 
They didn't care that they met people that didn't know what was going on. I believe they clung perhaps to Micah's prophecy about this child coming. Their joy was manifest in the gifts they brought to this one who was king of kings and Lord of lords, full of joy. Magi traditionally would be wise men, if you will, uh, and that perhaps you could equate that with intellectualism. And sometimes you get the description of an intellectual as somebody who's cold and aloof, uh, who doesn't have time for those with lesser intellect. These men were not that way at all. They apparently had come to the conclusion that this was the savior. This was the promised one. And they were gonna seek him out. Doesn't matter that all the people along the way of their journey didn't know what they were talking about. They had come to see him. Well, we read in verse 10, as I said, this is for all the people. The news wasn't confined just to these people we're looking at today. This news is for you and for me, as well as those that we come around. In Jesus' ministry, you will remember when he stopped to get a drink of water, who was it that he conversed with there at the well? A Samaritan woman. You see, the news was for her too. It was for the Gentile as well as the Jew. Christ demonstrated it at his ministry. The apostles would demonstrate that too, though it took a specific dream about the clean and unclean things to convince them. But this was news for all the world. This joy is bound to Jesus Christ. It is inseparable from him. If we want joy in the world, we need to focus on this one who came to bring joy. So what I'm saying then is joy is different than happiness, right? <laughs> yes, it is entirely. We can be happy that now we have the career we want we're making the kind of money we want. We have the house we want. We have this lovely family. We're happy, but that is not joy. What happens when those things are removed? What happens when health dissipates? What happens when the stock market claims a large chunk of your portfolio? Do you still have this thing called joy? You know, I, I know I just might be... Uh, a cynic or something, but everywhere I go this season, I cannot see barely any indication of Jesus Christ in the Christmas celebrations. The mall is crowded with people who are shopping. Television has been showing Christmas movies since probably October on some of the channels. Very few stories that are focused on the birth of Jesus Christ as the savior of the world. A lot of happiness connected with this holiday. There's going to see relatives. There's putting up decorations. By the way, thank you, ladies, for the church. I understand your spirit's different than what I'm talking about here. We put up decorations around our home. You can drive through the neighborhood and see people who are not of any religion putting up Christmas decorations. But left out is the source of joy. It is for everybody, but that doesn't mean it comes to everybody. And so we have before us then what we need to do. <laughs> we need to share this good news. Uh, 
a man who wrote a Bible dictionary, I don't know him, James Hastings, said God himself is the object and ground of a believer's joy. You think about that, God himself. Psalm 35, we read this, then my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. Rejoice, connected with joy, in the Lord. That's where our joy is found. Psalm 43, then will I go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. When you worship here, oh, well, let me go finally to the New Testament. Philippians, I know you know this verse. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It carries all the way through from the Old Testament through to the New Testament. When you go worship today, will you be filled with joy? Will you be able to define <laughs> what's taking place? Well, there's also joy in the gospel. This is, I think pastor referred to this this morning too. This is the distinguishing trait of a Christian's life. Why are those people always so happy, so cheerful? Why are they not brought low to the point of non-functioning status? Because we rejoice in the Lord who is our strength. He not only saves us, he sustains us whatever our circumstances. Happiness, I read somewhere, is built on the word happenstance. What does that bring to mind? It's like a mistake or an accident, see? So if it turns out that way, I'm happy. That's not what joy is. It is grounded in our God. This is the message that was brought by the angel. Great joy. A uh, writer of a commentary, an old time Scotsman wrote this, Barclay, a joyous life is not a Christian life for joy is the one constant in the recipe for Christian living. Why are we not more joyous if, if you're not? It's because I suppose then our walk with God isn't what it should be. There is great joy in this God through the circumstances, through all the difficulties of life. Well, along with that, brothers and sisters, there's joy in fellowship too, isn't there? Uh, did you have a good time when you got together for Christmas a few uh, week or two ago? There's great joy in that fellowship. We experience the same thing when we come Wednesday nights in great measure. Fellowship around the table. Joy in this fellowship with like-minded believers. None of the characters... Uh, I think Boyce pointed this out, or it might have been Barclay. None of the characters in our Christmas story are set before us in isolation, are they? We have Mary, Joseph, and the baby together. We have the shepherds, not the shepherd. We have the three wise men. They're all together. There's a fellowship of believers, a like-minded believers. There is joy in that. And it's a, a great blessing. There's also joy just in the message here. Great news has come. The Savior of the world has been born. This ought to bring great joy to us. Uh, well, I won't belabor this too much. We'll just say one or two other things. You know, there's, there's great joy in working for the Lord. You have, at the end of these pews, uh, uh, some token of that. 
This, this has got to bring joy to you, doesn't it? That these young ladies would go to the extent of this to prepare these little packages to give away. And what great joy that must bring to their hearts to know that they have satisfied something in us by giving us this present. There's great joy in serving the Lord. Uh, I don't suppose with all the heartaches that Dr. Phillips has from time to time in preparing messages and dealing with people that he would ever cast that aside and say, oh, it's, it's, I can't, I can't take it. There's no reward. No, it's full of joy in the end. Talk to our missionaries who are on the field and think of the things they have to deal with. But there's great joy in knowing that one would come to Christ, perhaps. Let me tell you the story of one. E. Stanley Jones was a missionary of some renown. You may know the name. He tells about a convert, convert that uh, he met along the way, a bubbling Christian he knew whose name was Rufus Mosley. Someone said, one said of Mosley, first time I heard him, I thought he was crazy. Second time I heard him, I knew he was crazy. Mosley was so filled with joy that he just didn't keep quiet or settle down. Someone who wanted to sober him up once asked Mosley if he thought Jesus had ever laughed. And for the record, I don't think you can find that in the scripture at all, Jesus laughed. Mosley said, I don't know, but he fixed me up so I can laugh. <laughs> that was his testimony. The joy that Christ had shed abroad in his heart enabled him to be full of this joy. Well, what do we do to have a joyful Christmas? Any suggestions? You start by singing joy to the world, right? Let's laugh. Let's enjoy fellowship together. Let's prayerfully and joyfully enter into worship. Not only has Jesus come, but when the world killed him, and pastor refers to that in his message this morning, he overcame. He rose again. Joy to the world, all the boys and girls. And this is not theologically correct. Joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea. My brother Roger knows this song from the 60s. Joy to you and me. <laughs> There's joy. There's joy in this. Should we not live in it? Why? Because verse seven, 11 follows that. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. you have any comments or questions? I believe three to nine is actually happy, not joy. Okay. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. Yeah. Brother. Uh, yeah. So. I was given a, a print of a painting called Jesus Laughed. And it's a picture of Jesus holding up a child <laughs> That'd be a great circumstance, wouldn't it? To look at children. Well, Jesus was a man. Yes. And so I feel like he had the same emotions as man. He was God. He was also a man. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure there were times he laughed. Yeah. I suppose he might have snickered a few times at his disciples, you know. <laughs> but can't prove that from Scripture, of course. Brother Ken. By the way, according to the King James Version, the name of that uh, angel was. He's an old angel of the Lord. <laughs> I stand corrected. 
let me pray as we, as we go. And I do wish you a blessed, happy, joyous Christmas since we won't be in Sunday school next week. Heavenly Father, we thank you that our joy is set because of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for his, the only acceptable sacrifice for us and how joyous that makes us. That the one who came during this Advent season, which we celebrate, came to die for the sins of all his elect. Father God, I pray that that joy would be reflected in our lives through our worship, through our relationships with other people, through our work, through our play, until such time when we'll enter into that eternal joy in your presence. We pray that you'd bless us along the way, strengthen us, be with those going to worship. May they render unto you that which is due your name in a joyous way. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.